0: Welcome to the fourth episode of Junto Club. On this episode, we trash Shoes Creed for the podcast. We discuss Ben Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac, working out during the quarantine, the Dr. Jill Biden controversy, and more about dealing with mortality and what options are available to cheat death. For any questions, comments, or to commiserate over existential crises, email Junto Club podcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club.
1: Club.
2: No. So, welcome to the fourth meeting of the Junto Club. So, very quick. So, the first order of uh, order of I, I guess uh, thing on the agenda is to approve the Junto Manifesto that I wrote during the week. So, do you want me to go ahead and read it?
0: You read it, sure.
2: Alright, so, we members of the Junto Club are committed to think inside the box, to use no rules as rules, and to be close-minded in order to create an unsafe space where controversial ideas are not only discussed, but nurtured. All right. I think someone might have objection to this. So Matt, I think you have <laughs> a manifesto. Yes,
1: yeah, so I would object. Um... I'm not. I don't want to be mean or anything, but it sounds like something an edgy fre- college freshman would write. Um, <laughs> and I don't feel like it really states any meaningful purpose. It's just trying to be like, look, we're different than everyone else. Look how unique we are. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I really don't <laughs> like it. You should just do what Ben Franklin did. Basically, just stick to his stuff.
2: Okay, that's a good point. But that's never my
1: be- opinion. I'm only one person here.
2: Yeah, what do you think, Mike?
0: Uh, no, I I mean, I agree, it's douchey. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, uh, no, I mean, I don't know that we need any, I mean, I don't know. Like, if we're going manifestos, like, it has to be on the level of the Unibomber, it's just not worth it. Unibomber? <laughs> what do yeah. you mean on the level of
1: Unibomber? You
0: you're
1: not familiar with the Unibomber? I am
2: familiar with him, but what do you mean by on a level of? History? Like he
1: wrote,
0: like it's like a how long is it? It's like thirty pages or so. Like some, it's like quite an extensive document. Or essentially,
1: Mike's favorite book, the Unabomber manifesto. <laughs> That's
0: a. It's right. It's a, it's a close second, but um, it's uh, no uh, but yeah, no. I, I mean, I don't know that we need any type of creed as much as just. Gotcha. We're, we're discuss- I I don't know. I mean,
2: no, that makes sense. I guess I'm still in the level of freshman uh, douchey level of mindset. <laughs> so that's how I came up with it. So it's good, and that's why I need you guys to shut things down like that, right? So, so I guess continue. Yeah. So continue on our, our general things. The first thing uh, is uh, usually we talk about Benjamin Franklin in the beginning. So today, I guess I. Talk about, uh, one of my like, Benjamin Franklin's publications, which is called the Poor Richards Almanac. Have you guys heard of it before? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically has a couple of things. Now, like, basically his sayings, right? His quotes from him. He basically wrote it himself. It's a small nugget of with, I guess, wisdom, or uh, just something, advice. He want to give it to others. So he published it. It became really popular. And <laughs> one, one of them I got, for example, the first one is like, Early to bed, early to rise, make a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I thought that was pretty good.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, when you said the, uh, when you first introduced it, I was like, oh, that's Shu. Like that, that was the quote that occurred to me. Cause I was like, <laughs> a, cause Shu follows that one very well.
2: All right. So the second one I got really confused on is like, three good meals make, uh, no, no, sorry. Three good meals a day is bad living.
0: Say
1: that again.
2: Three meals a day
1: is bad living. Three what? good meals a day is bad living. Yeah, hmm. I think Benjamin Franklin was on the intermittent fasting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, trend way ahead of his time. I think. I mean, that's the only. I think that might be what he's referring to. Like, if you eat three big meals a day, that's probably too much food, right? Hmm. I think that's what good is in this context. It's like a big meal, right?
2: Mm. I see what you're saying. Okay.
1: So, so I'm you guessing he just, just realized that because I mean, ma- there were a lot less fat people and like, you know, 200 years ago, but there were still people who were overweight. So I'm guessing they realized like, yeah, you could eat too much.
2: All right. Okay. that makes Without sense. Any other yeah. Interpretations. yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense actually. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that's actually sort of the direction I was going in as well was sort of, yeah,
1: good is big. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Skewing off this, do you all believe in the intermittent fasting hype?
0: uh, To a degree. I mean, I feel like, to be honest, like the few times I've lost like a decent bit of weight was the times where I was practicing maybe like more likely to intermittent fast, like not like individual days of the week or something, but, like, weeks at a time, so. But, I mean, that's yep. just, be, could be because it's literally, like, much easier to limit calories in um, versus calories out if you're just eating fewer times. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good, I mean, uh, the people I follow have pretty good credentials that they've they done it a lot. They've, they, they I think one, uh, they experiment experiment with it a lot, and then I heard that it's great really good for like, like even for cancer patients too, like to do income, uh, intermittent fasting as well. So but for me it's not I'm trying to gain weight, so it's like I cannot do it. <laughs> I'm try, trying so hard to gain weight and can't even do it, you no, know, so so I, I will not do it for now.
0: God just uh, uh, if we switch diet sure you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Four good meals a day makes a boy overweight and wise.
1: <laughs> have you tried it, Matt? I mean, I kind of, I mean, I half live it because I usually just skip breakfast all the time, but mm-hmm. I typically have a later dinner. So like the most common intermittent fasting is like 16 hours without eating. So you have like lunch and dinner mm-hmm. within like an eight hour window. And usually I'm probably a little bit longer than eight hours between them, but yeah. So I don't know. So for weight loss, I agree. At least for me, when I have done limited weight loss, just not eating meals is like the easiest thing to do. Then there's the you know the potential health benefits, but I don't. I've never been able to notice anything meaningfully different in my health.
2: Yeah. All right. Actually, just remind me of a quote now. I, I I read this week is nice. Someone was talking about uh, now if you want to lose weight, don don't focus on working out. Focus on your diet, right? So, yeah. Input, right?
1: Yeah. No, no. They say abs are made in the kitchen. That's right. Yeah. Oh, really?
0: That's why I've never been able to get them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, because, I mean, you can run for, like, 30 minutes and then, like, one cookie is like, all those calories back. So, yeah. But, right. basically, it's it's generally much easier to eat back what you you burn unless you're training, like, an Olympic athlete, which most people can't do, so...
2: Okay, yeah. So how how are you guys working out? How are your workout looks like nowadays with
0: COVID? Mm. I mean, I'll, I oh, you
1: go first, Mike.
0: I mean, I'll say it's just been terrible. Like at the beginning, it's like I got a do- like in, a door pull up bar, and I was like trying to do pull ups and like just jog outside and stuff, but. Uh, I mean, I just, I ended up putting on a pretty substantial amount of weight, so I ended up, like, now it's like, I do push-ups, I try to do, like, uh, like dips on, like, using a chair, and I'll, like, walk, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not easy without regularly going to the gym, because that... I think that help uh, like help facilitate like good workouts for me is like I had gym like essentially scheduled into every day whereas now it's like it's just sort of around the apartment, so it makes it less structured and happen less effectively
1: mm. yeah, I feel yeah I've been pretty consistent about doing them, but they're definitely like twenty minutes kind of like moderately difficult they're not like as intense or serious as they were when i was going to the gym
2: uh so what what but what, what your workout looks like though
1: i mean it's pretty similar i basically do pull-ups and rows push-ups and like handstand push-ups um handstand push-ups wow all right against the wall because i cannot yeah. balance on a handstand but uh that's pretty good i mean i cannot even do it yeah yeah and then like one legged squats, and then I do some running. You can probably do a handstand push up. I bet you could if you did it.
2: No, no, I try. I'm still working on it. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Yeah. And no, those are good. Wow, nice. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, speaking of working out or uh, sports, right? Um, have you heard that break, break dancing is an Olympic sport now?
1: I did not hear that. Really? <laughs> and they still didn't put wrestling back in is that still removed from the Olympic sport
2: oh I I never know
1: wrestling is not part of it wasn't that a Mm. controversy like four or eight years ago Mm, you ever hear about this Mike I
0: I feel like I do remember something about it but I didn't pay too much attention so
2: yeah that makes sense I think they are limiting the number of participants for boxing and weightlifting (laughs) there's something going on with the organization so they were limiting the participants for those kind of sports. So yeah. But anyway, break dancing. So you could do break dancing at home as well, I guess. <laughs> as a workout. That's
1: so is sure that seem pretty fit.
0: Yeah. No, um, well, yeah, you do definitely I mean I can see the athleticism involved, but is it judged like uh, I mean, how is it ju- judged, I guess, like is
2: there's Is all not, it's not, it's not I guess it's more like uh, gymnastics, right? Now, how do you judge gymnastics, right? It's the movement, right? So yeah, if you do it correctly, then it's not. If you can spin yourself vertically on your head for like I don't know, (laughs) 30 minutes (laughs) or
0: hour. Right. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying, though, is, that, like, I guess how, like, I guess I've never even thought about this for gymnastics either, because I'm not, like, I very rarely watch sports that are in the Olympics other than the ones that I would typically watch anyway, whether it be hockey or basketball. But, I mean, that's about it. But, uh like, I guess when it comes to, like, I mean, I, I, like, for diving, I guess there's like they rate different dives on form and like I assu- assume there's certain guidelines like when they come to rating it that it like form complexity so I guess break dancing is similar where they uh, like I mean but I guess the hardest thing in break dancing like it would not be nearly impossible to spin yourself on your head for like 45 seconds straight or something but it, it, like I don't know that that would be necessarily like the most entertaining breakdance so i mean yeah i guess i don't know I, i don't know how they judge it
1: yeah they'll probably just copy gymnastic routines right whether it's like the double bars or floor routine right there's like enough people just do a bunch of moves in a row and like moves are worth so many points based on difficulty and then you get better scores for like how well you do them so it'll probably be the same thing where they'll like say You know, these are like the set of breakdancing moves and, you know, the harder ones are worth more points. So everyone kind of builds like these routines that kind of, you know, tries to get good scores. But
2: Yeah, I mean, it's similar to a gymnastic. Well, an event is not even bar. It's just, it's called floor, right? You just do the floor and like movement, like different, like flipping, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. 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 I think this is your new calling, Michael. You should become a breakdancer. Oh, Yeah there's still time before my wedding for you to get good so you can break dance on the, you know, at the reception.
0: That's right. Yeah. You, you need to get a circle started and I'll just go <laughs> into the middle. <laughs> so nice. no, I, uh, I don't think it's for me. I'll be honest.
2: All right. All right. So anyway, yeah, yeah, a lot. Even yeah, a lot more weird, weird sports on Olympics anyway than break break dancing, probably. So, so should we should we move on to the next, uh, uh more like controversial topic, like Doctor Jill. Have you guys heard of the controversial thing?
1: Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Sure, you start this time. What do you think about possible Doctor Jill?
2: Well, well, no, no, no. Controversial thing is about a lot of people were slamming it as a sexist sexism, right? Like is it, is he being sexist by uh, calling out, calling her out, and then calling her like kiddo, right? It's name stuff like that, right? And well, personally, I don't think that is. That's only for in the first, almost like in the first sentence. That's only in the first sentence of the the article and the whole article, right? I think. I don't think that's sexism, right? Because he's more attacking about calling yourself doctor because you have a PhD, not a medical doctor, right? So he's just like saying, oh, if you just have a PhD, you should not call yourself a doctor, basically, because doctor is more referring to medical doctor. And also, he calling her kiddo is more like, I think Joe Biden called her kiddo, right, all the time. So... I mean, I think he's just referring to that as well, right? So yeah. So personally, I don't think that sexist. And I mean, that's the controversial thing, right? If it's sexism, I think that's the most controversial thing. And personally, I don't think it is. And and then whether you should call yourself daughter because you have a PhD—that's another whole different story, right? <laughs>
0: No, I mean I haven't looked at the sexist angle mm. too too much. I mean, I mostly I was just I, I was more interested in the story, just like because he essentially acts like, Ill, uh, which is this is just someone who doesn't have a PhD. But I mean, it, I mean I think it's pretty clear, like not all doctors or like do, not all doctors are made equal, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and that's true of MDs as well. Like, if you're a neurosurgeon and did, you know, like 10 years of residencies after, you know, the medical school, then that's a totally different animal than if you're essentially just like a GP, like a pediatric GP who essentially just went to like a year or something after medical school and basically just writes amoxicillin on prescription pads. (laughs) So, uh, basically, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I do think that the, like there just needs to be an understanding that like the title doctor applies to many, many. I mean, you know, technically
1: lawyers are doctors, right? Or, I mean, yeah. so. that's how I mean that's how it's always been, right? Like we've had centuries of literally centuries of college professors being doctors, you know, getting PhDs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, is the guy sexist? It kind of it definitely smells like sexism because there's no way he went through life without running into people who are not medical doctors, but were called doctor by title.
0: Mm. Right.
1: And then just because yeah. like the first lady's doing it, like now he's going to make, make a big deal, write an article. Like, I don't know, maybe he rages at people all the time for it in his personal life. This is just the first time he wrote an article, but like, there's no way he hasn't seen this before. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: It, right. It's just, it's suspicious. I'll say also, that.
2: Also, if you in the article, he mostly talking attacking night, like, Honorary doctorate. He, he didn't even, he, he made all arguments again, again, talking about like, uh, why you give an like, honorary doctor to like, Stephen Colbert, Seth Meyer, all the other celebrities. But he did not really attack the core issue of like, the real like, doctor of philosophy who went through a PhD and
1: got a doctor. Joe versus- Biden doesn't have an honorary doctorate.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well that that uh, no i mean i i do agree with matt that like based on i guess what i've seen like it, yeah. it, it, he's probably a little bit sexist um but or i mean or he's just like like a cra like one of the sort of more conservative voices who just needs to find something mm. like even beyond sexism it's just like you need to find something to complain about yeah. so uh i mean like I say, with uh, for me, it's like she has a PhD, like she's doctor. But I mean, I guess like I will sometimes get like a little bit, and I, I mean, I, I, you can, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like sometimes, like, like there are definitely PhDs that are not equivalent to what we went through for like our PhDs, right? I mean, there are PhDs where essentially like you start a program, you start the program and you know your graduation date like from the day you start. That's fundamentally different than like a hard science PhD.
1: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I believe she doesn't have a PhD, but a doctorate in education, which might technically be a different title, but, mm-hmm. and, you know, and maybe it's not as hard as like, yeah, like a STEM PhD, but... I don't know. I'm not that interested in like policing other people. If she got the title from like a real university, right? Yeah. Hers.
0: Yeah. Right. She can do what she wants.
1: Yeah. This guy's a douche. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) he's just trying to like stir up controversy to get clickbait, but I don't know. Either way. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think there's people on both sides that, like I say, like no matter, like no matter if it's like a non issue or even something good. They will literally look to, like, I need to find something here to, like, rile people up. And It's like, this is just, it, it should be a non-issue.
1: This, this The only time this could ever come up as, like, an issue is if, you know, Joe Biden was like, listen to me, like, my medical advice, I'm a doctor. Then you would be like, you're not that type of doctor.
0: Right, right, right exactly. Well, as
1: I know, she's never been like, I'm a doctor, so I have, like, authority on medical issues. So. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. No, that is fair.
1: All
2: right. Moving All right. on to immortality, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I feel like before we get into immortality and freezing yourself, mm. we should see, shoot, did you did you catch up on what stoicism says about death?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. I can talk about it, actually. So... The main thing stoicism see about, I would say the main core principle is see death is like, instead of tackling death, is now try to tackle the fear of death, right? Instead of death itself. So um, they so he, he treat it treated as like external and internal, right? Ex, uh, something called external, internal. External means like uh, something you cannot control. Uh, internal means something you can control yourself right so death like itself is some an uh, external event right so you should not basically say that you should not focus on back and that's something you cannot control and you so if you want to work on internal things that you can control it's your own fear of it right and your perspective your perception of it, and like how um and, uh, some actions you can do right? So stuff like that. I can continue more, but I guess uh, I can ask you, I guess, Mike, a question, like, why, why do you fear that?
0: Well, I mean, I think, I mean, literally, I feel like fear, like fear by definition, like Mm. would be, uh, like, impulse in the brain that's in response to like, plain or unple- like unple- like unpleasantness more generally. that And that's because those are in- were probably indicators of imminent death or potential for death as we evolved. So, I mean, I think fear stems fundamentally from death or lack of existence. I mean, fear arose to keep animals alive, right? So,
2: but why do you fear death yourself? You are talking about neural, like why you understand the neural uh, basis, but but why do you feel that personally?
0: Why do I fear death personally? I, I I I guess it's lack of existence, lack of seeing the future, lack of future experience.
2: Mm. So why do you think that is bad? Why why non existence is bad? Like why death is bad?
0: I, I, I suppose bad might be the wrong word. Mm. I mean, like, I guess it's just, I guess it's nothing.
2: Mm. Okay. And
0: I prefer something.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So non-existent, right? Death is just means non-existent. So that's how you see it, right? Yes. But before you were born, you were non-existent as well, right? That's true. So if you were fine before you were born, why are you not fine after you are dead? Because it's the same thing, right? Before birth is, is equal to after death, is equal to non-existent. It's not the same thing.
0: No, I mean, this is, and I've heard, so, uh, re, like, uh, Penn Jillette is like, I mean, he's a magician, but he's also yeah. like reasonably well known, uh, like atheist. And he, uh, talks about like, like, how, people have asked like, how do you, like, deal with not believing in an afterlife? And he, his answer is basically like, uh, you know, 1850. And because he wasn't born, he wasn't alive in 1850. So. Uh- so it's essentially that argument, right? Like you were fine mm-hmm. before you were born or, you know, there was nothing before you were born. So now you're here and there'll be a time when you aren't here and it will just be like before you were born. Sounds like he
1: rest stoicism. Yes.
2: <laughs> so the no reason I asked the no question, uh, yeah, Matt, you have something to say?
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, I hear that argument sometimes, but wouldn't most people who are maybe not suicidal say they're a, Happy that they are now alive instead of still being like not alive, right? Like you can say, yeah, like you weren't actively suffering before you were born or whatever, but like generally I think most people are happy that they, you know, were born, started existing.
2: But I think we are you you're talking suicidal people, right? On, I, mentioned uh, it. I, I guess uh I guess right now this is does not apply to suicidal people, I guess, because they there's different mindset and they need to address those questions, right? So for I guess for the majority of people, the fear of death, right? Suicidal, I don't I don't think they fear death, right? Maybe they do, I'm not sure, right? But yeah, so 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 the reason I ask Mike those questions is because the first thing that is perception is first thing that stoicism talk about is how to address this is to basically re redefine death right how how your perception of initially you fear you, you you fear death because you uh perceive it as a bad thing right so so the first thing you can do to address the fear is to redefine death or at least maybe re- rename it and you know call it something else like for example like they say oh instead of say someone died you can someone was returned something blah blah blah. i mean nothing might work or might not work but anyway so it's just an example right you can redefine your perception a little bit right and (laughs) of course it's easy saying uh but hard to do right but but of course that's what stoicism is kind of about right it's a practice right it's a way it's a tool right you can use but to master it is really a different story right to really know how to use it apply it correctly i mean perfectly for yourself is, is a practice right so anyway so so Niana, so yeah do you have any comments
1: on that before i go on to in a second yeah, one? i was gonna say mike it's not death it's a biological misunderstanding
0: <laughs> that's right <my idea. laughs> yeah
1: exactly the previous podcast to get this yeah. joke
2: There's some quotes that I recently I heard people saying. I think from Jim Jim Collins, right? He says, "like I guess dumb mistake, like living a long life with like living a good life." So, if you try try to immortality, right? You might, if you focus on that, now you're dead, right? You've just sometimes you might forgot to live basically right you forgot you try to live a long life but you are actually not living a good life right so don't this yeah. yeah don't don't confuse a good life with a i mean long life with a good life i think that was pretty good advice
0: yeah well no i mean that there's sort of like quotes from buddhism as well uh it's sort of about like the length of a the, I don't know, like the length of a turtle's life, some, you know, a long term life like a turtle or hundreds of years is not, sort of doesn't, necess- or doesn't necessarily have more meaning or, uh, like worth or anything else than that of a housefly. Mm. So, so meaning that like a housefly lives a day, a turtle can live hundreds of years and it's like, but mm. ultimately like their lives can have the same weight or meaning depending on how they're lived.
2: So, yeah. What did you get that from?
0: I think it's Buddhism. I, I mean, I wrote a paper in like it's 10 years ago and like first year of college at this point on Buddhism, like the Buddhist, uh, like iconography in some poem.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, so you What's were, it? you were curious about this uh, topic already 10 years ago. Okay. yes
0: yeah no i mean i think i think it does interest me i mean like i think it's been in my like i mean it's in everyone's life obviously from the moment you start living but yeah yeah
2: okay so i guess the stoicism just continue a little bit my first one is like change your perception kind of in a way regarding death and there's some, there's some many things you can do about it. And the other one, uh, uh, the second part is, uh, action, basically, like, to actually be, they, they, they advise that like, you should get, like, familiar with that. Something called, uh, one example is Memento Mori. You guys heard of that before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no? mm-hmm. Memento Mori? I think it's a, it's a Roman, it's a Roman, it translates to, uh, Remember, you must die, right? So it actually, is a is a Roman practice long time ago, where uh, like whenever like you, a general uh, went to fight war and when they come back victorious, they always have a parade ceremony. When they go parade through the street, the general always have a someone behind him. Like right? so, so all people on the street are cheering, "Oh, you are the best!" or sign, you know, victory and stuff like that, but. Then, the general general always have someone behind him whispering to his ear say "Memento mori memento mori as the parade goes on to remind, to remind him that remember you must die <laughs> you know just a it's a it's a practice that to basically remind yourself that you can die right uh one day that way you maybe you can something it's a small thing you can do to familiar with yourself with the concept of death that way you hope you might get become less fearful of it, right? And then nowadays actually a lot of people carry a coin of memento mori on there, right? Sometimes it's just a skull, I think it's a coin with a skull on there, right? Now I think uh, people like Shakespeare and Mozart actually have those coins with them as like when they were living to remind them of the same concept as well. So yeah. So that's something you can do as a practice net,
0: in yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's the, in Mexico, there's the festival of, like, the dead, or Day of the Dead, where yeah. families go and, like, dine at cemeteries and stuff, and it's <laughs> I mean, that, go of course, is, again, like, more, re- a little bit more religious-based, or, I mean, it was sort of a sense that you go on forever, right, because their spirits are, like, inhabiting different objects and stuff but
2: yeah i mean yeah have you guys have you guys been to centimer cemeteries
0: (laughs) yes literally like every weekend of my childhood (laughs) oh really how so well just i mean my like my grandmother like so i i was my mom was the youngest of five kids so like my grandmother was older when I was born. Like she had my mom when she was older, like and my mom had us when she was a little bit older. So like when we were born, my grandmother was like in her seventies or like sixty nine, seventy when I was born. So um basically, uh yeah, like I have I mean in all or two of my four grandparents had already died and stuff. So like my grandmother, a lot of her friends and family was were buried in the area. So we, she would go to the cemetery and her sort of hobby was like uh gardening so she would uh bring plants to the cemetery and ma- like make the grave sites look nice and water plants around the graves and stuff like that. every week it was it was pretty frequent certainly every holiday and yeah. some just random weekends so did
2: you did you enjoy did you enjoy going to the cemetery
0: I would not say it was enjoying. Enjoy, I mean, I guess it helped me. Uh, see, I always viewed it as like, oh, I wanted to make her feel good, and it made her feel good for me to be there.
1: Mm.
0: But at the same time, uh, I don't know that the actual presence of the cemetery, like uh, being present in a cemetery was necessarily good for me.
2: But mm. So well, you so you say you 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 are not sure if it was good for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like, oh, this place is fun. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's just a park that's like a creepy version of a park. So.
2: Oh really? You 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 think you thought it was is it is creepy?
0: I mean, I guess that connotation
2: uh, came
0: over time. Maybe I don't know. As I saw people like. Uh, like as I got older and people I knew died and then I would see them buried there. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that it's, uh, I don't necessarily know that. Like I, like I'm not a person who would be like, Oh, I'm at a cemetery. Like I actually like when I go for walks and stuff, like I'll occasionally still walk through cemeteries where it's like, I don't know anyone buried or anything. It's just like, it's a peaceful place to walk, I guess. But, but it's more just, uh, and it wouldn't bother me to be there, like, at dusk or, like, at night or whatever. But it's more just, uh, I guess I don't necessarily, like, draw comfort in being near corpses uh, I know.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. What well, about you, Matt? Uh, I mean, I've been to a few cemeteries a handful of times in my life. Not nearly as frequently as Mike. I don't <laughs> yes. really have any strong opinions on them. They are what they are. Oh, you Do you... Do you... Do you like it? Do
2: you like the cemetery, or you're just not like neutral? Neutral. Oh, okay. I guess the reason I ask is recently I've been to the Decatur Cemetery, right? Cemetery usually, and it's the Decatur Cemetery, it's almost nice. Like very, it's a beautiful place. People actually, all people walk there. Uh, ha- also, I feel like cemetery has a very calming effect that I did not realize. Like it's so, just so calm, like just. It distress you as well, right? So, yeah, you just have a very, because usually I think most people think of a cemetery, oh, it's a place of death, you know, Wow, well, you want to go there. But when you, and it's you know, the one I visited, it's like, oh, it's very nice, almost like a beautiful park in a way. And also, as you walk around, you can see that, like, oh, this person was like alive or dead in like 1850s, like, oh, wow, that's 100 years ago. I mean, I imagine what his life was like back in the day, right? And then you see some, Headstones, right? Some have some more writings on there, and like their family might have, have some uh, a poem about the person, right? I think I actually came across a poem, like a a play headstone, right? And then actually, I think the, the the person died really young, I like maybe was twenty something in before college, and the family actually wrote a very very beautiful poem that, that I read. It as I just so. Beautiful, right? I I feel like he, the person, whoever that, you know, was really loved by his family members, right? So those kind of things that you discover in those kind of cemetery, kind of, and yeah. So I anyway, so I really enjoy going to cemetery. It's a surprising uh, find. So yeah, and then. Also I guess going back to the stoicism and practice of my like memento mori, I guess c- cemetery is one way I, instead of bring bring you know, taking a coin of memento mori with you, you know, just go to a walk through a cemetery, right? I think Atlanta has a couple of cemeteries not very beautiful. I think one is in Oakland Cemetery and the other one is Decatur. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So
0: Oh, no, they give tours, uh, at yeah. Oakland, I, or Oak, whatever the big one is that's, Oakland, yeah. Yeah, 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 like they give tours of like, at night of like, oh, here are like singer, like famous singers who have lived in Atlanta or, or from Atlanta, famous writers, things
2: like that. Oh, really? All yeah. right. I'm, I'm too busy now.
0: Then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, no, I mean, it is interesting to like look back at people's lives, but I, I guess, for me, I I don't know that the cons like I won't say constant, but like the I don't necessarily think it's how or know how necessary it is to repeatedly be reminded of one's mortality. Like I think that I think that's particularly hel- helpful if. Maybe if a person is a quote unquote sort of wasting or a le- like letting them, their lives get away from them or something. But I think if you have a certain focus, it can be a little bit con- uh, like a direction to your life, I think. Or, and particularly if you're sort of like have long-term outlooks, it's probably unhealthy. <laughs> mm, I see.
2: Yeah.
0: Any thoughts, Matt? That's that's my
2: summary of stoicism on death
1: for now. Yeah, I don't know. Often I try to, rather than reminding myself about mortality, I try to not think about it and distract myself with, you know, my silly human life stuff. But I think, you know, I believe at least that I still, as Mike says, have a direction to my life and not just like burning it away. So I don't think that's a problem, Mm -hmm. but. I'll uh, keep that in mind if, uh, you know, if I ever feel I'm getting off track, maybe I'll be like, I got to start thinking about my impending doom all the time to keep me focused. That's right. Yeah. All right. That's why you need to freeze yourself out. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We wanted to get into the freezing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if it's uh, yeah something we need to go into a ton, but I, I just, I like last episode we were talking about, uh, we also were talking about mortality, and so I was like, "Well, so it just occurred to me, like, how do I become immortal?" <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're too early for science to have figured it out. So you pay someone to freeze your head. Mm-hmm. You get like what? What do you think? A one percent chance it works that high?
0: Huh? <laughs> I, I mean, I would take honest, like, so the so there are services that do it for like rough, I, like your whole body for two hundred thousand. So, I mean, I don't know. If it's a 1% chance, I think 200000 is worth it, I'll be honest. <laughs> I well, mean, it's like...
1: You can pay for life insurance, and then they can take the life insurance. I was reading the article that was yeah. Like, yeah. Sort of like... Yeah, I don't know. Also, why do you... But then they were like, you can do just your head for cheaper, which sounds morbid. But, like, in this future where they can, like, re- unfreeze your head and, like, reverse what you're dying and fix your brain what are the chances they can make a new body for you? Seems pretty high, right? Like, what <laughs> would yeah. you want your old body?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. It, it could be maybe a longer time before, because, I mean, right, so, I mean, so people say, like, oh, your brain is you, which I, like, which I agree with, but a large chunk of your brain is, like, basically formed and, like, wired to control a specific body, right? Which is your body. So I guess it's the degree of difficulty in converting, like, or like it, it would, it, I guess you would need like a pretty substantial amount of time, I would imagine to convert your body to like your robot body, like your brain to running your robot body.
1: No,
2: that's but a good point. you will be a robot body, right? And they can just regrow it from your DNA. you will be your original body, right? You can, you know, from your DNA stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, all of this is potential science and potential science fiction, but I mean, it could just as easily be that Jesus comes back and brings your original body with him like old Catholicism used to say. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah.
1: The with this freezing stuff though is they still have to wait till you officially die. I feel like that really hurts, right? Like if they could just say you're dying in a few weeks, We're going to put you under and like freeze you while you're still alive. Like I imagine, I mean, I guess they can always say, oh, science will figure out, but you know, maybe there's a future where they can revive people, but they're like, yeah, but these idiots, like their head wasn't frozen for like 30 plus minutes after they died. Like the neurons all like decomposed, like broke down and had issues. Right. Like once the neurons die, like the cells, like they can't like, if the cells don't get enough oxygen and the cellular mechanisms die, you know. Obviously, I'm not a biologist here, but like maybe there's nothing you can literally do because like you can't have a robot go into every single cell and like fix the proteins inside of it.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, that like when people, uh, I mean, when people die it, it, for like their st- heart stops beating for like seven minutes or something and like they sort of revive them in some way. I mean, there's like brain damage and everything else. Cause, uh, so, I mean. Yeah, I I mean, I don't – because you are right. I guess when I began reading about it, I was sort of uncertain about where the process sort of would begin and end, but it would make sense. I mean, so like the Northwest, right? I mean, Washington and Oregon, they're pretty, I guess, out there when it comes to like certain policies. I mean, so they just – essentially every drug is legal there now. They have death with dignity. So you can literally just, like, if you are diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I don't know about just, like, suicidal, like, severe, like, depression to the point of being suicidal. Like, I don't know if, uh, I don't think they would allow you to just take pills to end your
1: life legally, but. (laughs) I think, I think think for euthanasia, they have to, like, have two, like, two doctors confirm, like, yeah, this person is terminal and knows what they're doing. I don't think they do it for depression. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I but well, but the point is, like, they're I mean, they're trending in a direction where it's like they give you pretty like full autonomy over a lot of things. So I would wonder if maybe, uh, I mean, because I think that's one of those states is where like this cry uh, cryogenic, like the initial cryogenic place is in the U.S. But in any case, like, I would not be stunned if there is a place in within a certain amount of time that isn't too, too far off where they essentially do say like, Hey, your terminal or essentially your organs are in bad enough shape where it's only a matter of time. And they essentially let you enter into like being frozen, essentially like essentially they cause the, your death or like onset death in you. Uh, for the, and preserve you in the most appropriate way they can given the technology at the time. I mean, it was an interesting, uh, like perspective that I hadn't necessarily fully considered. So the article that I read about this was, uh, like essentially viewed like, so, I mean, a lot of things when it comes to like mental health and, uh, and I guess just a lot of things generally fall like people talk about them falling on a spectrum. So it was interesting to me to hear like them view life and death in a way as a spectrum. Cause I mean, I guess it's sort of like, I could sort of see it cause it's like, I mean, as we've talked about like human consciousness, like can sort of fall on a spectrum. Like we're fully conscious right now and talking, I mean, when you first wake up in the morning, you may sort of not be perceptive of certain things that you are when you're more fully awake. Uh, when you're asleep, I mean, there's a dream sort of dreaming, which may, uh, sort of incorporate di- like different aspects of consciousness. Uh, and then when you're sort of beyond REM sleep, you're in uh, like the least conscious state, I guess we typically experience, and then, when it comes to like death, it's like people have died for like I say minutes at a time and then been revived so uh I mean I guess that it is sort of uh what you I guess you would typically think of as like fully alive versus fully dead. maybe there is some in between some suspended state that we could get to but
1: where your body's not working right, but it's not too late to, like, recover and fix if you do the right thing.
0: Right, exactly. So, I right. mean, essentially, yeah, essentially, isn't,
2: yes. <laughs> isn't that just science, another thing, it's about hibernation. If you go to space travel to Mars, you know, and they have to do that, right, for your body?
1: Well, not Mars. Mars is, they can do it in, like, nine but, months or something, I, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, but, but no, yeah, I I've mean. Been, yeah, that's, like, a common idea, is like oh, if we want to go to like another solar system, you know, yeah, just like freeze them for, you know, yeah. a few decades, a few centuries, and you just wake up when you're there. Yeah, I
2: feel like that that could be a that could be a path uh toward that right to wake you up after like centuries later, like after you uh yeah, I think that could be a. I mean NASA, when you when they space when you're in the space program, a lot of things came out in the space program, right? So this could be one of the things that came out of it too, right? If you travel to another solar system. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I mean, there is a frog, right, that can be fro like freeze entirely and then like wake up and be fine. What do you mean? You don't
0: know that. Oh, I, that? I hadn't heard of that.
1: Hold on, let me double check. Frog.
0: Yeah, well, just while you're looking it up, I can say, so I was looking up, like, obviously, when I found this, I'm like, well, I'm getting like, before I just jump and get my life insurance policy now, like, what are the arguments against this? And uh basically, I mean, one of the bigger things that is difficult, in addition to figuring out, like, how to fix people when they're frozen, like, bring them back, is, uh I mean, I guess, thought, like, essentially, like, The thawing process right like how does that like i mean your body has different tissues densities that like make it very difficult to like unthaw you appropriately and do what they would need to be done so i guess figuring that out is a major issue so that's why this
1: frog is interesting (laughs) yeah it's called the wood frog and they're in alaska and they spend like half the year basically frozen solid And my only point is, I mean, look, humans are more complex than frogs, but I mean, frogs have all the same basic pieces we do, right? Including a brain and some nerves. So like, I mean, given some quirks of biology, it could just work out that humans could like be frozen and then wake up and be all right. Like just by normal freezing and thawing, right? Like, wouldn't that be crazy?
0: Right, right, right.
1: Then we would probably already be trying to send frozen people to like another solar system because it'd be like, just do that.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. We just send a spaceship, and it's, like, basically just float out there, and then, like, when it lands, we're just going to start, start the thawing process.
1: <laughs> yeah. You don't even... I mean, if you're in space, you can just open the windows. Everyone will freeze. You're good. <laughs> that is true. I think that's how it works, right?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. The <laughs> end to gravity wasn't sad at all. <laughs> uh. So... Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting idea, I mean, so will I be frozen? Who knows?
1: If you have (laughs) enough money and you're just like, screw it, will you roll the dice?
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, Ted Williams did it. I mean, 80K is not buying a car, right? So it's not, not,
2: if you have no money, yeah, it's not too bad.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, and also, of course, how how it ends so i mean if it's like i mean that's the other thing about this process right i mean it's like if if it was a surefire thing i guess you could be like oh well just keep me frozen until like i can be almost certain i'll live like hundreds of years or whatever and then i can decide from there but where it's like obviously very uncertain it's like well i'm not gonna like enter into that, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, kill me now so I can come back later. It's like, you're going to live now because you don't know if there's a later, but it's, uh...
2: What if it's a worse future, like, if they you they brought you back and then they make you into a slave or anything. They like torture you and then you know.
0: <laughs> That's actually okay. So I know we only have like two minutes left here, but one of the people in the article actually was like, "Yeah, she's like, she was basically saying like, I just want to see what the future like. I want answers about the future. She's like, I don't care if I'm a slave in the future. Like I'm okay with that."
1: <laughs> so yeah. I was like that's a good attitude but why like if you're like i need slaves why would you be like let's go try to revive the people who were dying or died and then were frozen so we can get these like geriatric 80 year olds with terminal conditions and try to turn them into a slave i don't feel like people would be looking for this for like slave labor here like seems a little weird
0: no that is that is fair yeah i mean yeah you never know
2: reality is usually more weird than weirder than science fiction that's
1: true that i is... mean i wouldn't be surprised if at some point in like a century or two large swaths of frozen people are basically just like dumped and it doesn't happen but maybe yeah. maybe there'll be people who are like we just want to know what uh you know people from centuries past think and like remember and stuff so maybe there'd be like a scientific interest in reviving people
0: yeah I mean, who makes the decision to wake you up now that we're talking about this? Like, is it just, like, the company, like, has a list, like, oh, we now have a good treatment for heart, like, you know, heart disease, or, like, you know, we just have infinite, like, good hearts. You know, we can grow hearts now, and it's super cheap. So, like, everyone who has a bum heart that we have frozen, like, and and we know how to install, like, implant them and then revive them. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. now we're just going to wake up all those people, or is it just, like... Or, like, does a relative, like, your great-great-great-grandchild comes in and is like, oh, like, what my great-great-grandfather died of, like, uh, they can fix it now, so wake him up, like, (laughs) and is there a fee for that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just that your condition's curable, which, you know, you know, the company will be like, sure, I'll just wait and see. Yeah. To be fair, though, it's like the first company that starts waking people up from like a two centuries past is going to get booming business. Like, you know, huh. the first time they do it successfully, like every rich person is going to be like, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess at that point, well, there might be a period of time where if they can wake someone up and treat some conditions, but not all um there might be a time period but to be fair by the time they're waking the first people up we might move past the whole like dying thing in the first place right if you can do that right maybe you can just keep everyone alive i don't know
0: yeah well that's i mean that is the other thing so it's it's sort of like people who say like we're gonna like oh we're just gonna be able to back ourselves up to computers it's like well then why aren't we just living on computers essentially I mean, or, you know, and we obviously had this discussion about is that, like, it isn't you anyway. But, I mean, that sort of is the point. Like, we can do whatever we want if we're just data on computers. We can literally just live in a virtual world. Or the version of us can live in that world. So. <sighs>
1: All right. Well, I should go to my Christmas party. <laughs> All right. Mike's got important things to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, do. I, I as um, well, yeah.
1: We already had a talk once this week, so. All
0: right, what's our sign-off for episode
1: four? Memento Mori, I guess. Memento Mori. She says the mask, very ominous.
0: Yeah, that's right. She was going
1: into surgery because he's a doctor. (laughs) All right. All right, see you later. All right, stay alive.